Blog Talk Radio. Up here 
in New England. You know, I've been living here, and all I can tell you is it gets damn cold in the winter, and I ain't good at dealing with that, man. I lived in the West, the South, all over. And uh, that's the hardest thing for me to deal with is is, is the cold and, and other things. But we'll bring Pamela in. I'm going to see if I can get her on the line here, and we can get have a little conversation. And y'all want to call in? I try to just talk to one person at a time because when I try to do too much at some one time, I don't say my attention on that person. And I want to do that. I want to go one on one, ear to ear. If I can't get arm in arm and all that stuff, I'm at least get ear to ear and mind to mind here. You know, and I ain't going to do it on Facebook. I, I mean, I'm going to try to get off that stuff altogether. I, I, man, I, I try that Facebook Live stuff, man. It, it, it's okay, but how can you talk back to me? you got to type, and the thing is, when you type, you misread stuff, and you miswrite stuff, and you just you, you can't see the real humanity of a person. So that's what we're going to do. So let me see if I can get Pam on the line here. Y'all hold on just a second. Pam, are you there? All right, Pamela's on the line. I'm going to get her in right now. We're figuring out this technology stuff like my dad's bumper sticker used to say. To err as human, to really foul things up, requires a computer. That's what we're doing right now. So here's Pamela. Oh, I'm unmuted Pamela. now. I just Pamela. said breaker, breaker. Where is everybody? Can you hear me? How you doing, Pamela? <laughs> I'm okay. I hear that You're probably going to hear the what, what you got reading. back is there, that okay? What huh? you got, a hawk back there? No, I've got two parakeets, and I've got birds up while I'm watching the waterfall in the background. The waterfall? I'm trying to calm myself down. i got to calm, calm down, Billy. Down. Well, what are you trying to calm yourself down about? <laughs> well, me? How about know, the isolation me. that's driving me over the edge? I'm not good at this self-isolation crap. I am not. <laughs> you know that. I, I, I don't think anybody... Is good at this. Man, good. I've been in for 24 days. <laughs> let, let me tell you what. I'll go into your self-isolation with your parakeets. I'll let you deal with my two kids and my wife. And we'll trade off for a while. Yeah, I like Dixie. Dixie doesn't <laughs> bite me. Man, you, you, they drive you crazy, Pamela. You know that. <laughs> we, we like laughing together. That's for sure, Billy. We do. Let, let, let's tell the listeners where we met. So me and Pamela, I'm going to tell a little bit about we met through this campaign on this Tulsi Gabbard, this woman I like. I call her the non-politician because she's all about bringing our nation together through the aloha spirit, which is we're all one family, just like Sister Sledge used to say. We are family. Got all my sisters with me. So that's what Tulsi's about. So I started working with Pamela on her campaign. Pamela's been involved in a lot of political campaigns, so I learned a lot from her. I'm still learning from her. And I think the first time, Pamela, that we kind of connected was when we were doing one-on-one in the streets in Northampton, right? Yeah. You and I like talking to people one-on-one. We don't want to go knock on a door. We don't want to sign flags, you know, raise all that and stand there like a moron. We want to have a conversation with people. You do it the way I do it, and we were quite a pair. Yeah, we did it. We got a lot. You you were more organized. I kept talking to people. Said, did you get their number? 
Did you get their emails? Like, oh, damn, I forgot that. I, I had a good conversation. <laughs> like, you're supposed to get that damn information. I'm like, oh, man, that's why I got you here, Pamela. That's what I got we you did for. It. I, I know. I got all that paperwork and stacked high up into my apartment. Billy, we did it at the mall, at Holyoke Mall. We did it up in Keene, freezing to death. I have a great video of you boogieing to that music you played. We were one-on-one in a lot of different places. And other people are like, oh, my God, I can't do that. I said, oh, yes, you can. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I'll tell you, Pamela, just like they used to say, well, I said my basketball, with my dancing, the older I get, the better I was. That's just how it is. You think you, you think you think you're better than you ever were, but yeah, we are. We went to the cold, and that ball, man. We were in the ball in Holyoke, and there are all those people. One guy said he's gonna hit me in the face. <laughs> I remember that. He's like, "Get out of my <laughs> way! I'm gonna hit you in the face." I go, "Okay, so I guess when you I don't phoned, want to call." When I phoned, when I phoned Banks for Bernie in 2016, I was called a fucking communist, and so I, I said to the person, I said, I'm done phone banking. I think I'm checking out I'll go home after that, because you do have to have a tough skin. There are some nasty people out there, but most of them love listening, and we spoke with hey, a lot Pamela. of Republicans. Pamela, remember, this is PG-13 yep. radio. It's not G, but it is PG-13. <laughs> No, you. I heard you swear on one of yours. You did too. Yeah, I do. I, occasionally they come at me. Once the blue moon, they get out of me. I, I'm just making <laughs> okay. you aware. I don't want to get it like Pulp Fiction going on here or something, like Samuel <laughs> Jackson cussing and everything. I but. can't do. I I can't even say shit in my daughter's house because I have to say poop happens. You know, like. <laughs> it depends on the household. Billy, you always say, "Watch your mouth, Pamela." My daughters are here. And I usually do know how to watch my mouth. You you do a pretty good job. You do a good job. You do you, you put well, that I, filter on pretty good, I'd say. So anyway, yeah, well, so I me was, and Pamela met on the a, campaign trail and done a lot of stuff. And we've had we've gone up where are we going to Manchester in the car, and we've had a lot of very um, interesting conversations, to put it lightly, about a lot of topics. But today we want to talk about the differences of the South and the North. And I've lived here in Massachusetts for about three years, and I'm still getting used to this world up here. I'm, I'm going to let Pamela talk a little bit about her experiences in the North and up here, because she's been here longer than me. She hasn't been here a lot. She's been all over like me. Didn't you say you were in uh, Omaha, Nebraska? Yeah, I student taught in Omaha, Nebraska. So I was born in Greenfield, back in the town I'm living in now. But as a first grader, we all picked up when we went to Memphis, Tennessee for a few weeks. With my dad went first, and my mother and my brother and sister. They we let all you down there. I didn't think they let you down there. Um, yeah, he was in the only grading lumber grading school in the nation, and then we landed in Houston, Texas. So all my elementary days were down in Houston. Except oh, when my mother yep. remarried, we were in northern Texas with the rattlesnakes up there in the panhandle. And then, oh, wow. because of circumstances that were not fun in my life, I summered in Nebraska with an aunt and uncle and a grandmother um, and then got shipped back down to Houston again. So my perspective Did you ever get bit, is, bit by a snake, one of the rattlesnakes? 
uh, no, but we'd run like hell after we were told to freeze and not move and just let the snake pass. Um, you know, because there's a lot of water moccasins in Houston, let me tell you. We did catch an alligator, though, a crocodile kind of thing, right out of the sewer system. Oh, did and, you? Oh, um, man, I got a story about me catching gators by my hands as a kid, but that's another day. Yeah, I know. So, anyway, a lot of experience in, in Houston, some in the Midwest. And then um, I had two years in high school, no, one year in high school as a 10th grader in New England. Uh, and then I had to have my junior and senior year back in Nebraska. Couldn't afford the out-of-state tuition to Massachusetts, so I got my college degree in what's now the University of Nebraska. Um, so I had four years of college. The day we graduated from college, my high school friend and I jumped in her car and came back to New England. She worked at Mohawk Trail Regional um, and lived with me for a short time because I lived with my brother and sister. I got hired right here in the Greenfield system, um, and I have been in New England since college days. But I have also traveled to Utah. I was My company had me going to conventions. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. So I've been around the South, spent a little vacation time real quick down in Florida. So, um, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame, the Southern um, atmosphere, <laughs> um, as far as New England. And I do believe... I have some friends who have moved to New England, and one of them said she sat and cried for day after day after day. It was so cold, and she's not talking temperatures. She's talking people. So um, mm-hmm. it, it's a whole different, yeah. you know, I mean, I grew up in Charlemont. We started off in Charlemont, but if you're not born, bred, and don't go back two or three generations, you are never going to be accepted as a local person. And that's the way New England thinks about things. Do you really? agree you with that, that Bill? Hmm? It's pretty bad. Yep. Yep. Well, you, you don't think that I've people... been here three years. You mean I'm never going to get accepted here? Uh, yep, you're not. Your southern accent <laughs> gives, you, gives you away. <laughs> You, you told me you it out. Nope. You, you're, nope. your wife when you say I'm from South Carolina, your wife is missed that you're not saying I'm from Northampton because you don't view yourself as a New Englander. But then you live no, in the I Silicon Valley. Even when I lived in California, I said I was from South Carolina. So. See, it's, that's kind of what. Yep, that's kind of what happens. No, they, they're very generational, and, like, if you mispronounce the name of the town, that, then right away they're like, oh, where'd you come from? Um, but, yeah, it's an attitude, and I like New England in a lot of ways. I like the Four Seasons. I have some wonderful friends and family that my kids all want to stay here, even though my eldest said he was moving out of Massachusetts, and he never did because um, he liked his college friends. Um, don't don't, don't you warm... think that, that that kind of idea is everywhere in the South? There's a place called Pickens. And if you don't say it like Pickens, they'd be like, "Man, you're not around from here. You haven't had any boiled peanuts. You don't need to be around here because you not don't know how to say Pickens. You say Pikins." So I think that kind of mindset is everywhere. No matter where you go, people like you to say the name right. You know, I don't. I don't know if I go as yeah, far. Yeah. Well, as did you ever? Did you? Did you ever go um, fishing at night for catfish? Did you like catfish in the south? You know, no, they call them mud pies, those big old weird fish that have whiskers, and they come out at night. People 
fish no, in the No, but I went frog gigging, and I hope Pete isn't listening right now because <laughs> I actually enjoyed doing that. It was fun. Frog legs are good, man. They're good. They're good. Well, they weren't the endangered red-legged frogs, but they were frogs. So <laughs> I hope they weren't endangered. We ate my we my mother knew how to cook squirrels uh, outside of Houston along the lake. There. Oh, you had squirrels! But she learned to do all that cooking of stuff um, in Wyoming. So was it good? Um, I never she could had cook squirrel. anything. Yeah, I mean it's tiny, teeny tiny little drumsticks. You know, you don't get too full of. <laughs> Did he have an acorn? Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> I do want a lesson on grits, Billy, because I can't stand them. They are so gross. And when you oh, start talking on, about throwing in shrimp and that. seasoning them up, I know. You're well, I need to know how here. to cook them the right way. I'm going to hang up on you a minute keep talking about grits this way. You just That's my about tradition. That's my born and bred blood, man. That runs in my I blood. Know. Grits. It's you cut me open, you. you'll see yellow grits. <laughs> well, <laughs> corn is good for you in some way. I like a lot of corn. I eat a lot of corn. But I want to say that when I came up, um, you know, the politeness that people have, okay? So we were taught, yes, ma'am, no, sir, yes, ma'am, sure, and all the ma'am and the sir. And when I came in that 10th grade year, they were so struck with, the, with my being polite, which was, I didn't know that. That's just what everybody does in the South. And then I got reprimanded. Here I was, the new kid in the school. They put me on about three different levels of school because they didn't know... They had me with the juniors. They had me with the 10th graders. They put me, I think, in one ninth grade class. And um, and um, I was so embarrassed because this teacher, um, I, I, she said, well, who are you living with? And I said, I live with, with my aunt. And she went, what? And she said, an aunt is an animal. You must be living with an aunt, you know. And that is that carryover <laughs> from, from, you know, motherland Britain, isn't it? So you got to say aunt when you're in New England. Yeah, I mean, the but, rest but, of the country uh, says aunt. Aunt again, and uncle, again, not Pamela. aunt and uncle. Yeah, I'm going to walk you back a little bit on that. I think that's the nature of the times, right? People say, kids never respect anybody anymore. They don't know what is hard. I walked up snow how, to a hill twice in the snow. You know, that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's just changed. Everybody thinks... I mean, people are definitely not, they don't talk the same way, they're not as polite, but that's everywhere. I don't think that's just in the South or North. Do you? Well, when I went to Atlanta, I didn't know where the heck I was going to go, and a guy, complete stranger, took me there, you know, off of the street, and uh, he said, he said, well, here, just I'm going to take you over to where you need to be. And I, I don't think people are willing to do that in New England. They've got a busy day. They've got an itinerary. They're just not going to drop everything and, and, and be all that helpful. And I really do see that as, as when I was, and that was a convention I was going to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where I was. I just got, I also went and I was told not to, but during break, I said, I'm going to go to Martin Luther King's grave. And they said, no, you're not. That's very dangerous. You're gonna. You're, you're not gonna go over there by yourself. You're a white person, and that is. You, you don't want to do this. And I said, when Well, that's with you. When was and this? I, um, I don't know what year it was, but you know, I did go. I saw his church. I roughly felt how many years safe. ago? Roughly how many years? Oh gosh, Billy. Um, I don't go to those conventions anymore. Um, I don't know. I really can't even guess because I 20, went to 30 years. Yeah. Probably, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's a dangerous. I don't day. think that matters. There are dangerous towns, areas of towns all over the United States. Yeah, yeah. all over. And it's dangerous. It's more dangerous now because of the bigotry than back in those years. Well, you, and you I don't, went you don't and I bought this, a bookmark. Pamela, you don't know this, Pamela. When I lived in New Orleans, I the second house I lived in. I lived in the projects because I like playing basketball so much. I go down there and I play all the time. And I had this house, and I spread a rumor because it was a bad neighborhood. And I spread a rumor that my dad was the police chief, and I had a big dog because it was a bad neighborhood. <laughs> and in that neighborhood, and I'm going to say something that, that may kind of make some people, you know, pull up their their racial card or whatever. In the in, in New Orleans majority of the crime is from blacks. It's just a reality. That's what lives there. They're, they're not treated fairly. They're economically deprived, so they strike out by stealing. I've got robbed so many times in New Orleans. So there's a mindset to you getting this idea where you, you have this tendency to treat people different based on color because the statistics point to that. So I lived in this area and but the thing that I did that was different is I went and I played basketball on the project. I was the only white guy on the floor, always. I was probably the worst basketball player on the court, but I bought the ball. So you bring the ball, you get to play. <laughs> so I go home with my ball if they don't let me play. So that, that's what I did. So I got better. So I got to know a lot, people a lot better. So it, it, it's interesting. And one other thing I want to say in regards to what you're saying about the North, um, you know, the one thing I've really liked about living up here that I've seen, and I'll give you, I may have told you this example before. I do feel it takes a while to get people to know you, but I feel like people in the North have huge hearts. For an example is um, my, my father-in-law was working on the roof of our house. He slipped off a ladder and fell and hit his head. And people in the neighborhood I'd hardly talk to. You know, in the South, they would have brought me a pie when I moved in or cookies and come around and give me sweet yep, tea yep. and all that stuff. That, yeah. But here, nobody said anything. But when something detrimental and really bad happened, you should have seen the neighbors come out of nowhere. How can I help you? Can I help you get your dad to the hospital? Can I watch your kids? Can I cook you something? All these people came out of their houses to help us in this situation where the chips were down and shit was hitting the fan. And they helped out. But as soon as that was over, they went back in their house, and they didn't talk to me. But when it really matters, well, see, I felt like the, they came see, out. That's, that's the camaraderie. It shouldn't take a tragedy or anything big to make people be friendly with each other, Billy. True. Like when we were in Texas, we were out, you know, go out and play and come back when it's dark, you know. And we, everybody trusted everybody. My sister and I, little two little white girls, like fifth, sixth grade, we're taking buses downtown Houston, and we got on the wrong bus, and nobody said anything. We are with a whole lot of, you know, we were probably in the front, and because, you know, that was segregation. And um, finally, the bus driver said, I think you girls are on the wrong bus. And he um, took us somewhere and got us on a different bus so we could find our way home. But we used to take the city bus transportation to the Houston Zoo. Um, I went down to the music store about my flute. Um, you know, and so, I mean, we didn't have good supervision um, because that was, I think, probably after my mother died. I think my mother hey, had a heart attack. But Hey, Pamela, hold on just a minute. What? I got somebody on hold. I want to see who it is. Um, I okay. don't recognize the number. 
So let me put you on hold just for a second and see All if right, I can I'll hush. find out what's going on here, okay? I'll hush. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. They're in the green room, Bill. All right, let's see. Put her in the green. Joe, how you doing, man? Okay. Glad to have you on the All show. All right, like I You're said. My first caller okay. that I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought the uh, thought the woman was somebody who was a caller. Uh, oh, yes, she? but she's or somebody she... I know. I, I don't know. I don't know, Joe. Oh, okay. I don't know you, man. Where are you from? Well, that's Montana. Oh, wow. Well, glad to gonna... have you on the show, Yeah, that's man. what's going to happen. Thanks. That's what's going to happen when you have a show. People are going to call in. I hope so, so but don't I just be surprised. out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Goal. I was reading your description page. Uh-huh. And uh, that's why I called because I wanted to find out how were you able to give hugs to strangers? Very, very carefully. <laughs> no, I, like I a basically could. Okay. What you say? I said like a porcupine has sex. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that before, but that's a good one. Not, not not quite that bad, but no, I have a I have a big sign. It says free hugs on it, and I walk down the street, and I would say probably seventy five percent of the people look at me like I'm half crazy. The other twenty five smile, and then the other fifteen to uh, fifteen to twenty, not good with my math here, they actually give me a hug. And then that usually starts up mm. a conversation, mm-hmm. and we talk about their life. I've talked to so many people from all over. Mm. Where do you live in Montana? How well, I was, hearing your conver- I was hearing your conversation right now between you and uh, your friend, uh-huh. and she was talking about how, how you know about neighbors and camaraderie. Um, I live in a complex, and when you leave, when you leave the na- not the neighborhood, but when you leave the um, the building and you go out. People are nice. They'll they'll smile at you and everything. But I prefer not to know people in my complex. I prefer to be alone. And I think most people, if they have experience living in apartments, complexes, condos, etc., that's probably the way that they would have it. Because once you have friends inside your building, they're like um, they're like uh, termites. You can barely get rid of them. So it's about me, I'm a person who believes that um, tall fences make good neighbors, and neighbors <laughs> should stay neighbors, and there's about 7 billion people in the world, and I'd rather make friends with people outside my building. <laughs> that way, nobody gets into your business, you have privacy, and that's just as important as mingling with people. Well. Let me ask you a question. Have you made any friends in your building? Couldn't there be some pretty nice people in and there? And I'm finished. Back to you. Could, couldn't you? Couldn't you? Uh, couldn't you make some friends? Well, in they're that? nice people here, but I don't want them as friends. No, man, Joe. I got you. I'd be lucky, happy to have any I don't friends. Want, I believe here in no, Massachusetts, I, I have like two. No, like I'm saying, I don't want friends in my building. I don't want people coming over knocking on my door simply because they want to come by. 
Yeah. Okay. How long you been living in Montana? I just want them to be there. Oh, no, over 20 years. Over 20 years. What part of the state are you in? In the Billings. In Billings. Well, I'm going to get up that way. Um, I hope to get up there because I'm going to do my hug. I haven't been to that state. I've been to 23 states. And maybe I'll come out to Billings and come see you. But no, thanks for calling in, man. I'm going to get back to our guest um, and hope you listen to us in the future. And uh, have a good day, man. Okay. Okay, take care. All right, take it easy. Pamela, you there? You there? Yeah, listen. If he's still, I hope he's still listening because when I was in Nebraska, my uncle, who later became my guardian, um, uh-huh. worked uh, for Craft Supervisor. And Billings, Montana is one of the places we would go up. And we vacationed in Oregon, uh, oh, really? Wyoming, uh, Colorado, Montana. And we'd been to Billings when I was, like, in high school. So, What was your take um, on his idea yeah. about apartment life? Oh, I know exactly what. Do not judge him. I know exactly what he's talking about. No, no, Are you kidding I, I'm me? I'm trying to understand. I'm not judging him. I'm no, just no, to no, no, no. Because no, because when you live with, with in group housing, and people should know that I'm in a public housing, and was for five other years something. somewhere else. So yes, because. Um, I am friendly with people here, but there are some people who want to stir the shit. And there's gossiping and rumors, and then stuff gets back to management, and people do the backstabbing thing. I know when I first moved in, I talked to people saying, I stick to myself. Um, I don't want anything to do with anybody here, uh, and I come and go. And so yeah. it is a different ball game when you've got, I mean, think of a microcosm of the world. You've got the nice people, the not so nice, the really horrible, the, the, you know, the ones with a self-image. You've got the bullies. You've got, so you can pick and choose your friends, which is what I've decided to do. But if you are too friendly with others who are needy, oh, my God, they will suck the blood right out of you. And that's, as a that's CNA, interesting that you say that, though, Pamela. Cause, well, because, because, Billy, when you're conf- – like, here, I'll give you an example. 92-year-old woman, we thought she has nobody in her life. She um, is a sweetheart, and we're not allowed with this isolation to even go knock on anybody's door. I mean, we are so shut down. You have absolutely no rights in this building. They took out all the chairs. You don't want anybody mingling. You've got to, you know, so far they haven't locked us out of the laundry department. We're going to rebel uh, if that happens. So mm-hmm. I know exactly what he means. But I know somebody in another complex, they gave out the phone number. The woman drove the person nuts. The woman decided, the helpful woman decided she needed to move to kind of get rid of someone because they don't have family they can rely on many times. You can't call your son or your daughter, and then you call your neighbor, and the line is not there anymore. So you become a personal care attendant when you mm. really didn't want to, and then you well, feel I'm, obligated. I'm glad you opened my eyes to this because I feel like I mean I feel like that's that's the situation with everything, man. You think you have this ultimate reality, a reality that I I mean I I was in an apartment a couple times, but I didn't 
how the reality it is. And you might, like you said, you might judge it right off the bat. Like, why won't he talk to that person? He's being mean. So we got to really understand that reality. There's people in those apartment complexes. There's a reason the things they're doing, the reason that's going on. So I appreciate you giving that perspective, Pamela. I never would have thought well, of that, some, but. Some people love their privacy and their isolation. I'm much more outgoing. You know that. I'm a social no, person. That's not. why no, I'm going not. absolutely you're nuts with you're this life. <laughs> I have friends who are hermits, and this is not bothering them one bit because that's their nature. <laughs> And, oh, and I am they, not they like, like that. The lockdown. But I'll give you, here's another example. Even in a condo association, all right, you think you know your rent. You've got this nice new place. You're all excited to live there. If they decide they're going to do something, the majority rules, all of a sudden your rent's higher. I never wanted a condo situation. I, then you mm. can't control anything. It's, and so all of a sudden you're pitting people against people. You talk about politics. I bet you there's a lot of politics going yeah. on in a condo association situation. So, you well, know, well, you can't pick and choose your neighbors. Here's a cool example. When I bought my house in Shelburne Falls, I didn't go running around and say, okay, what, what are these neighbors like? All right? And the guy next door had the foulest mouth. He loved to be in his backyard. It was effing this, effing that. He would build a little wood uh, fireplace. And my sheets and stuff hanging on my clothesline, all that smoke would come on over into my clean clothes. And I thought, oh, jeez, this is not a good idea. I later got to know him, and I found out, you know, there were some health issues, and he had some kids that drove him nuts, and that's why he was always swearing, I guess. But you don't ever know who your neighbors are. And I, I'm like you. I mean, when you move in, I'd like to think somebody could bring me cookies, or I'd like to take cookies to that person yeah. and get to know yeah. my neighbors. And well, and I let, think some well, New Englanders can do that, but you just saying. admitted what happened with your New England uh, neighbors. They're back well, in their I own little world. Let, 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 let me go back to – I appreciate that, but I want to go back – a point I wanted to make about this whole idea of people living in east, west, north, and south – um, I think I told people before I've lived in seven different states, mostly in California and the South, and I lived in Maine a little bit and in Alabama and Texas and New Orleans. But the thing that I found out was that when I, when I moved to California, I, I was there single, and I, the first thing I found out is people weren't super friendly. I remember I'd bike down the path or I'd be in line skating, I'd wave at people, and they'd never wave at me. But then once I got to know those thick people, once I said hi, people I barely knew would tell me their whole life. They'd tell me about their divorces, their drug addictions, everything just came out like a <laughs> Niagara Falls flood. It's like, here you go. Oh, you talked to me? It all came out. And then growing up in the South, it's different. People were super friendly. They'll talk about their football team, the weather, traffic. But to get inside and learn about what makes them tick and what really matters to them, you're going to be like trying to open up a tin can without a can opener. It's just not going to happen. So that's what happens in the South. So people only let you get in so far. So you have these great little kind of shallow surface-level conversations, but you still take that time to get to know them. So in the North, when I moved here, it's a double-edged sword. People are not super friendly, and I found that through my hugs and everything else, waving at people and hugging at people, and they take forever to get to know them. 
So you're right. It may be 20 or 30 years before I get a, you know, get a friend here. But I think that's just a different <laughs> mindset of people in the country. But, I mean, I think all in all, we're all human and we care each other. But it's right. I think other ones are, like, worried about putting themselves out there, right? I don't know. That's That's basically what I think. I, I, I think that's true, and I, the minute we chose this topic, I thought to myself, it's, we're going to sound very critical, very judgmental, very stereotypical, um, and I want to, based on that, I want to go back and say, you know, oppressed people um, have a lot of problems, and it's righteous indignation, and uh, the minute you're oppressed, you may have to reach out and do something. I think of the movie Les Miserables, you know, the movie, but the book by, I think it's Hugo. And, you know, yep. he had to steal a crust of bread. So I, um, I, I just want to backtrack and say there's a hell of a lot of people of all different skin colors who uh, unfortunately have to resort to things that the hotty toddy well-to-do, um, you know, silver spoon in the mouth don't have to do. And yeah. if there's anything else that's kind of brought people together as humanity, then it certainly is this virus, you know, because it's not noticing state borders or what color skin or what your age is or anything else. And all the people, the, all the stuff that's on the news, well, I can't stand the news, but all these ads thanking nurses and doctors and all the teachers and people are really reaching out. And I'm hoping that they don't stop caring after it's all said and done. Like, I, I think people have been way too busy, way too occupied. Um, and, you know, I can barely find time to speak to my own children who are in their 40s and almost 50s mm-hmm. uh, um, because it's a busyness that we have. And they intend their life to be so filled every second with sports and church and reading and school and homework and more sports Man, and this and that. If you, if you go to California, San Francisco's crazy busy. It took me a while to get used to the slowness when I moved here. And now when I go back and visit my friends in San Francisco, I'm like, man, this place is too fast. I love you guys, but I can't wait to get out of here. It's just kind of what you yep. get used to, but things are getting faster in some places. You know, I'd rather sit on my porch now and watch the traffic go by and, you know, have my cheer wine with peanuts in it, you know, do that kind yep, of thing. Yep, because I, I, I long to, like, sit outside in my rocking chair and watch the world go by, you know, like read a newspaper. As a, as a former school teacher, there was never one ounce of time that I could relax and do anything. I either was prepping or grading papers or in class or in summer school or and then raised three kids, you know, it's like – there was not any leisure time short to speak of, but I also didn't have my three kids in two to three different sports simultaneously. That just was not going to be happening. So I think there was a book, I wish I could remember the title of it, but many parents overschedule their children. A long time ago, someone wrote a book and said, even my oldest son, I said, can I let your kids get off the school bus and go play in the backyard? Why do they have to sit down immediately and start their homework? For God's sake, they had a long bus ride in the city of Framingham anyway. So it's we worked out a plan. That, Pamela. I, I, I well, agree with that. People don't even play in their backyard anymore, you know, and you they've got a trampoline this. and they, what? I mean, there's another reason that you let your you kids connect play? Is, 
if you don't know this, I had a T-shirt that I made when I was in California because you talk about scheduled people. Man, in California, because they're, they're so into tech, it's totally, I mean, scheduled here too, but from my perspective, I was in California, everybody's scheduled out. So I made a T-shirt that said support free play and had a picture of a tree and a, and a person swinging on the back. It said build a fort, climb a tree, play make-believe. That's what the shit, and I and I I sold those shirts and gave them out to people because there is kind of this idea like I agree with you in that idea. Is that where you get your creativity, your individuality, not being scheduled in these structured activities? And they were talking yep. about. I read this article. It's interesting. They say that recreational play that is free is disappearing. Everything like you go on your computer, you get your laundry taken up. They can schedule a race for you so you just show up people don't go in their backyard and get together and play a football game or do something they get everybody to figure it out for them they figure everything out so they don't know how to how to organize themselves in community experiences because we have all this stuff on the internet that does everything for you in the community ways and you don't have to do it anymore which goes back to the you know, we used to play, play kick the can. You remember Red Rover, Red Rover, throw the ball over the house and kick the can. And when oh, I, I was in um, the can handle, we used to have this little horny toed lizard type looking weird thing up in in northern Texas, and you could pick it oh, up and they did, they, were, yeah. they looked prehistoric. And we would rub the belly and it would almost fall asleep. And we put it in a little baby baby carriage and we acted like <laughs> it, it was hilarious. I mean, we always let him go, like, but in the meantime, that was so much fun, you know. Again, I My hope brother, he's not listening in because we're going to get in trouble, Pamela. Talking about oh, frog gigs and putting lizards to sleep in baby carriages. Man, oh, they're going to be after us, so man. The only, they're going to be after us so like they're after those whale boats. <laughs> oh, I know. We were so poor, the only thing, toys we had was what came out of the cereal boxes, you know. And oh, so yeah. we played in, among the elephant ears. You know those big old southern plants, the elephant ears, and we'd be in the oh, garden? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of my best southern stories is my brother was sleeping out in a sleeping bag with his, a bunch of kids his age because he was two or three years older. And he had an armadillo crawl inside his sleeping bag to get warm. <laughs> and, uh, really? and I don't know what happened. Oh, yeah. It just it it curled right in and, and went to sleep in his sleeping bag. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. You talk about another prehistoric-looking creature. That'd be it. You know, the one <laughs> thing that I do say that's, that's a big difference between the South and the North that has remained a constant for a long time is, and it's a little less now, but the focus on religion. In the South, they go to church on Sundays. It, it, it's a big deal. And moving up here, I know very few people that go to – I don't know if that's your experience, but I felt like it's not that big a deal up here going to church at all. No, and that's – I will – I mean, I was in a Southern Baptist church. Um, Everybody went to church. My mother was raised Episcopalian from Wyoming and Nebraska. And um, when I visited my uncle out in Oregon – you could find Christian radio stations on all the time. There were big billboards about Christianity and believers, you know, it's in the South, it's in the West. And I know when we, um, we found a pastor from Berkeley, uh, was he from Berkeley anyway, someplace in California, and this was a church in uh, Northampton, um, 
they are missionaries from around the world, and where they want to come is New England, because New England can be a very dark uh, place uh, as far as Christianity. I mean, people won't even, they don't want to crush at Christmas time. You can't put a crush on the town common, you know. You can did, put a crush on your church property. Did you did you have and, the uh, the fried chicken picnics out on the lawn when you're where you everybody bring a dish and you sit out there and you get together and the kids will play football and the and the and the other people be playing jacks and uh, the parents will be talking and stuff and it's just a great community experience. Did you have those when you were growing up? Yeah, I love southern fried chicken and fried chicken. I'll tell you oh, what I man, didn't like because when stuff. I moved down there. They have, I, I love sweet potato, but that candy yam that they serve us day after day is sweet potatoes filled with a whole lot of marshmallow on top. That was the gross. Oh, marshmallow. You just eat all the marshmallows. Forget the sweet potatoes. You don't need no, that. No, no, no. They wreck the sweet potato. <laughs> nope. And then okra. I don't like okra. I, I do you like fried black eyed peas. I can't. Have oh, you had fried okra? Ugh. It's good. I don't, fried nope, okra is good. You can fry anything. You can fry squirrel, you can fry okra, you can fry all that stuff. <laughs> Everything's good fried, man. I used to watch Paula Dean on the Food Channel, and she'd say, the more butter, the better, you know. And oh, uh, they did. They, they they fry up everything down there. Um, but I love the delicatessens. You know how you could go in and there would be anything and everything under the sun in their delicatessens? And um, you know what I'm talking about? We don't have those up in New England. You go oh, yeah, in, they, and they it is like a humongous buffet. That's a good point. I don't see those many places. Nope. Nope. They don't have any. you got to head south to have that. And that's I mean, you why have to go like, to, the go Cracker to Barrel or is something. the closest thing you'd get. The Cracker Barrel has some southern stuff on their um, menu that I really like. Um, but it's still not a deli where you could just go in and pick and choose and dish it up. I did you that. You find a place out here that does good fried chicken? Um, no, because I don't need that much on my budget. You know that. But like, you make uh, good fried chicken. It. I mean, I, I I like I like fried chicken, man. That's like one of my favorite things. That's like my diet. I do too, but you know, they're asking people to not eat fried food. So I fry my eggs in olive oil most mornings and stuff. But I don't. Yeah, but you got to splurge every stuff. once in a while, right? You got to have that fried chicken. You got to have that. Yeah, but if we're gonna splurge, we got to go find pad Thai again, like we, you know, this pad restaurant thai. we love. <laughs> I think that place is gone. That's not very southern. I don't think that's southern. That was I've gotten yummy. more sophisticated in my old age, Pamela. I'm a sophisticated You're a food snob. redneck now. <laughs> I'm a yeah, I know. You're a food snob. You told me yourself. I, I, I'm a good I, cook. I, I, I like, I like cook. good food. I like to cook. It's my therapy. Cooking and gardening. Those are my therapeutic things. But when you cook for one, then you got to freeze a bunch of it. And um, today I was just told by maintenance I might have too much crap in my freezer. It's why my refrigerator is warming up too much. I'm like, oh, my God, would this, this would be refrigerator number two or three that's biting the dust. Do you like the so, sweet tea? Do you like sweet tea and from the south? Um, I like tea, and uh, sweet tea is a little too sweet because I've taken most sugar out of my diet. I do like uh. it. I like that tea. What was that tea we had at the Thai restaurant? What the heck? It's a chai. Oh, Was that a that's chai? That's chai iced tea, man. That stuff's good. But that stuff will keep you up all night. It's like eat, drinking like six Jolt Colas and five cups of coffee. Oh, I don't, I don't do that Red Bull stuff. I think that's dangerous. No, but stuff. that, but Thai iced tea has a ton of caffeine in it. 
You didn't know that? Oh, God, it was so yummy. I don't remember not It was good, though. It was good. It's good stuff. <laughs> I want to try I'm, I'm going to miss that Thai food restaurant for sure. I know. I hope they open back up in a new location. So yeah, and you, you I want Chinese you, food. What you say? I want a poo-poo platter. I, I want a poo-poo platter. I want to go and have a poo-poo platter. That stuff is all fried. You know? Yeah, poo-poo platters. Poo-poo platters are fried Those for rock. sure. That's a, that's a lot of pro- protein. I don't think I eat enough protein anymore because I don't do beef and I don't do pork. Um, and when when, so when did you move out of simply, South? When did you move out of South? Um, well, like, like I said, the sophomore year I was up here because my brother broke his neck in the, at York Beach, Maine, and so we spent mm-hmm. the school year here. When was that? And exactly. then you know? Uh, 1963, because he had a poem once, and it was the year Kennedy was shot. And uh, oh, so really? he was in Portland Medical Center. Yeah, you know how you just run in the ocean and dive just like everybody does? They never yeah. knew whether his neck hit the sand or the impact of the water. So he was actually drowning before my cousin realized that something was wrong. Wow. So, And then he went to Albany Medical Center. So... He was paralyzed from the neck down for a while, but, you know, God he healed him. And uh, he had fathered twins, and he uh, he was able to walk and all the stuff. The doctor said, you're never going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Don't listen to Well, doctors. I was talking to Jason about that concept yesterday, about the idea if the tragedies and the, the hard times we go through don't kill us, they definitely make us stronger, no matter what it is. Like us going through this oh, yeah. coronavirus thing in this lockdown we're but going to be a stronger and a more united people and learn a lot and learn a lot that no generation ever has because not even in world war they've been through this kind of stuff so yep. everybody I, I know this is a change we're never going to have what we used to have i i believe that like they call it the new normal i think a lot of stuff is going to be gone so we we you think live, people will um, hug after this do you think i'll be able to get me people to hug me after this um, I want to go with you on your Hug It Out campaign. I'll have to find bird uh, care. But um, I think it depends because what's, what's, what's to me, I don't live in fear because I put my, my trust in the Lord and a lot of people are yeah, just I know. way too I know. You don't, and fearful. You ain't scared of nothing. No, I'm not. I've had a lot of bad, you bad stuff happen man in or my whole life at a very young age. So I've had a lot more horrible times than good times when you wrap now, up I always admired that years. about you, but sometimes I think you take it a little far. But, man, you ain't scared of much for sure. Nope, I'm I'm a fighter. <laughs> uh, and I, but, you know, like I took kids to Europe and um, – and I'm worldly wide, you know, and I've been to China, and so we'll have to have other conversations. But um, I, I don't take big risks, but I, um, I don't operate out of fear. And I think what's scary to me now is the fact that they think it will come back and that it might be seasonal, and they're still yeah. investigating whether a bat did something to another animal than the other animal did something to the human being. So... It's hard to predict whether people are going to want to shake hands and hug. Um, you know, I don't want to walk around with a mask on my mouth. Uh, this, that bugs the hell out of me, and I am doing I, I, it I, now. I, I don't think we'll do as much shaking hands because, I mean, the hugging part. So here's the deal with hugging, and we talked about this. It's not just an emotional thing. It's a logical thing because when you hug somebody for 20 seconds, there's scientific fact that you have therapeutic value. 
And when you hug somebody, you have much less chance of spreading disease and germs because for the most part, you're not touching any of your skin. But I promise you, you feel it. From, you know, I, you know I hug thousands of people, and I've had dozens when I've done the 20-second hugs or more where the woman or man comes up crying. Tears, I don't even know these people, and tears are streaming down their face. And I was a doubter of that. I was like, oh, this is a bunch of junk. But the first time I did, I hugged this guy in, in Washington, D.C. with my daughter, Bailey. I said, I'm going to do this because I was scared. I was like, man, I don't know if I can hug anybody for 30 seconds, man. That's kind of nuts. But I was like, oh, this guy, I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. And, I, and this guy, this is, it was this college dude, and he was there with it. And he was all excited, and I was giving all these hugs in front of uh, the White House. And, and the Secret Service people, I asked him, I said, has anybody ever done hugs here? Both they said, nope. I go, you've got to be kidding me. So anyway, this guy gave me this hug, and I said, I went back to him. I said, you know what? I've been wanting to do this 30-second hug, and I'm going to do my first one with you. And we did it, and he had all his college friends around him, and they were smirking and laughing and everything in the beginning. They all had their cameras out, taking video and stuff. But after about 15, 20 seconds, they got quiet. And it got quiet, and they kind of got into the vibe, this kind of unity, and it seems all kind of peace, love, psychedelic, kumbaya, but it was truth. And he came up, and he had a tear in his eye. This dude, I didn't even have a tear in his eye. I was like, and I thought that was like this one exception. But in my tour, that happened over and over. And what I'm saying is I think after this, hopefully we realize that the handshake is only going to spread germs. It's not going to get that connection that the HUD's going to give, and we'll start hugging more because it's not going to spread the germs, but we're going to have this amazing connection. There's no reason not to do it because your face rarely touches the person. So I hope me and you get to go on some hug stuff together around here and wherever, and more people will be hugging. But you never know what that will happen. I mean, I still you, can't do you believe wear I still... your, do, you, do you wear your unusual American T-shirt when, with your hug it out uh, sign? Because it's no. kind of an unusual slot, Billy. <laughs> it's kind of what? that T-shirt. An unusual thought to run around hugging people you don't know. No, your unusual it's not, American it's not unusual. I don't think it's unusual. It's bravery. People well, who hug Snow, are brave. They're brave yeah, people, I know. and they're spreading love. I don't know if well, I you, know I mean, that, you know that when they did the test of the monkeys, if they just left these baby monkeys alone and they never had any contact, they died? Yeah, you know, I that. know that. Yeah, so it's the same idea. So if you if try, find a person who is, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of contact with whoever or off. family or friends, that's why you're bringing a tear to somebody's eye. Maybe they have learned through, through your hug that they need to go to a few people they care about and hug them. Because oh, I yeah. think you're I mean, breaking I, the I, ice. I think I told you about the woman who is a Trump supporter who literally wrapped her arms around me, and I had a sign that said, Republicans are people too. And I said, I'm, by the way, I'm not a Republican. And she wrapped her arms around me, let her legs go, and I had to hold her off the ground. And she was bawling in my ears and my, and my on my shirt. And she basically said, thank you so much. I'm a Trump supporter, and I feel like everybody has abandoned me, my family, my friends, and thank you for doing this. And that kind of stuff happens over and over. The people I met, I've met drug addicts. People who've just gotten out of prison, people who've lost their relatives, their family, and I come in their life at a time, and I'm hoping, you know, you'll get to go out on the road and do with that with me. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be for a while, 
But you know, that's why we got this radio show because we can wrap wrap my wrap my mind around you more and the world, the American here about what we're doing. So, Billy, what to, what state is the closest one to Massachusetts that you haven't been to yet? Closest Did you to Massachusetts. The Maine? thing is, I have not been to um, Vermont. I've been to Vermont. I mean, I've been up there hugging, but I haven't done it. Actually, I've been up there a lot. I've hugged people, but not on my official with my board in my hand and the sign and all that stuff. So I need to go to Vermont and Rhode Island. But here on the East Coast and all the way to Indiana, those are the only two states. I don't. I think I got to go way far west. It's going to be harder with my kids because I'm going to have to go further. But well, I, John I Corbett wants to go back to Fawner Park in Nebraska, so maybe we can. We could get in this great big car and travel back to to Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, like traveling with my kids. I mean, that was just a lot of fun connecting with them. You know, going to all these different well, states. You'll have time. Yeah, you'll have time this summer because there isn't these. They're going to end school in June something, even though the kids have got all these weeks off. Nobody's going to have summer school. So yeah, I don't and know. And then Julie, you know me, I'm a Julie is a bachelorette. She gets to be a bachelorette while you take the kids and scoot across the nation. Well, I, I one at a time. I don't know if both, both of them at the same time, I'd have to do some own hugging out with my kids because they would get in some fights like like, like Trump supporters and Hillary supporters. It, it wouldn't be good. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do my mother, My mother used to wake us up at, at you know, and we'd be in our jammies and, um, and we'd climb in the car for vacation. So, we were still asleep with our pillows and jammies for a good section of the of the vacation driving, and then we'd wake up and she'd get us dressed just out of the suitcase. Is that when you were in the back seat? That way we weren't fighting the whole time. Huh? Were you in the trunk? You were rolling around the trunk? That's what we did. <laughs> I don't know, but it's to, in order to avoid... You know, I here's what I like. When families go on vacation, we used to sing songs. We played road sign songs. Now people plug into a damn movie, and they might as well be sitting in their living room. They're still not talking hey, Sam to Hey, Pamela, I hate to cut you off, but I got it's time. less than 25 seconds on this call. I thank you for calling oh. in. I'm glad you're my friend. Okay. We will have you on again on Hug It Out America Radio. Thank you all, all for tuning in. And uh, we'll see what's going on. We'll keep wrapping our ears and our minds around America. And uh, okay. Pamela, we'll talk to you later, and I'm sure I'll talk to you today or the next day. See you Thank later. Thank you. It's been fun. Have a good day. Bye.